full of cinematic garbage. One man will be your filter. Welcome to Movies Worth Seeing. With your host, Michael Pishinary. Hey everyone, and welcome to another great episode of the Oz Culture Podcast. As of now, I have COVID. Ah, the glorious COVID. Yes, I did really well to avoid this shit for fucking two years. It seemed like I never got it. Just kept hearing about it, dodging bullets left and right, like Indiana Jones in a fucking action adventure. And I kept thinking to myself, never going to get it for whatever reason. To the point where I was just living my life like normal. Not really being cautious or anything like that. And then all of a sudden I went away. And this is the funny thing about COVID. I went away on a holiday with my partner. I come back. The night that I was back home, I felt like woozy. I felt a bit sick. My partner, nothing. The next day was fucking horrible. I had a mad fever, horrible migraine. I couldn't talk to anyone. I couldn't do anything. I was just lying in bed all fucking day. And even if, as you're listening to this, you'll probably notice I don't sound 100%, but fuck it. It's been like almost a week since I got sick and almost a week since I saw the film that I'll be reviewing, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And I thought to myself, fuck it. It's better to do it. Might as well do it now before I forget the fucking movie. That's not to say this movie was forgettable at all. This movie was fucking awesome, actually. (laughs) That's the only reason I didn't want to do the review like this was I didn't want to do a disservice to this movie. It's a shame I couldn't have done this when when I reviewed fucking Morbius. That piece of shit movie deserved me to be sounding like I was coughing up a lung the whole review. Anyway, this film, The Unbearable Weight. This is a great movie. This is a fucking phenomenal movie. After seeing uh, quite a few new films that were very, like, even even the good ones that I watched in these last couple of months, they've been good, but, like, they're not, they're not like, great. They're not, like, standouts where I'm, like, 100%, I'm going to watch that again. But this film, I immediately wanted to watch this again. If I could have, I would have watched it again. I really enjoyed the film. I love the idea of an actor taking, playing themselves, but also playing a version of themselves where everyone knows all their weaknesses. Everyone knows all the bullshit about them, especially someone like Nicolas Cage. Everyone knows about his issues with buying shit, like ridiculous shit, getting bankrupt and then doing a bunch of movies that were horrible. And even Nicolas Cage has admitted that he did a lot of films for the paycheck because he was bankrupt. So, it's always fun to see. I mean, I don't like to pound over a dead horse. So, hit a dead horse, right? Pound a dead horse. That sounds kind of gross. I guess I don't like to just wail on about the same shit over and over again. But And especially the world is tired of hearing this. But I think if there's one thing with the whole Will Smith thing, that we learnt is Will Smith takes himself way too fucking seriously. And people don't like actors that take themselves too seriously. 
People don't like actors that think they're fucking God's gift to the world, that their acting is saving lives, all that crap. And me as an aspiring actor, like, of course, I want to say to myself, I'd love to act in something and inspire people and this and that. But yeah, when, when we watched Will Smith and saw what happened, we thought to ourselves, here is a guy that just does not know when to let the ego down. You know, his ego is way too inflated, takes himself way too seriously. And this is the kind of movie that Will Smith should have done as like retcon to kind of solve his issue with the public. This would have been perfect. The unbearable weight of massive talent with Will Smith. That would have been gold. And But that requires so much from the actor. That requires Will Smith to admit that he's in a fucking toxic relationship, that his kids are douchebags and a bunch of things that he'll probably never admit. And if he does admit it, it's always got to come with that little spin. Like when he did the apology to the Oscars and to Chris Rock. Well, no, when he apologized at the Oscars, but it was that weird fucking apology where it was like, man, love will make you do crazy things though. And everyone was like, no, what? Just apologize. Just say sorry that you were a fucking idiot. Anyway, but Nick Cage is someone who doesn't have the same problem as Will Smith, who doesn't take his career that fucking seriously, and who can make fun of himself. And he has done it in an amazing job here. Even, like, I saw an interview with Nicolas Cage where he actually said he won't watch this movie because he felt it was really hard to do this. This was actually one of the hardest roles he said to do, was to play a version of himself that, isn't him, but is what what the public sees him as or imagines he'd be like. And I, I find that fascinating with a, with such a prolific career as Nicolas Cage to, to say that this is one of his most difficult roles. I would have never thought it. But it feels like Nicolas Cage is aware that people know, you know, certain things about him, like he spends his money horribly. That was something that was touched on in this movie a lot. And I really like the relationship with his daughter, his character's relationship with his daughter in this movie. You know, this film set up a clear character arc that he needs to let go of his his film ego and start being more with his daughter. And the film is just so funny because so many of his movies have this father-daughter relationship that's like estranged or it has, you know, some kind of tension. I think films like Matchstick Men. Family Man could be something similar. That's that's the one Nicolas Cage movie I haven't seen, but I heard great things about it. So, I'm looking forward to seeing Family Man. But one thing I will say is this film has so many great references to movies like Con Air. I mean, the movie opens with a scene from Con Air, these two people watching Con Air. And I just, as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, man... I gotta rewatch The Rock. I gotta rewatch Connie. I gotta rewatch Face Off. Like the dude just has a fucking amazing library of films. And even now, I've heard the most recent film Pig is amazing. Mandy, you know the the films that have kind of started this resurgence, this comeback for Nicolas Cage have been really good. I reviewed Willy's Wonderland, which was kind of part of those films. I didn't think it was that amazing, to be honest. Willy's Wonderland wasn't the best, but it, it was all right. It's hard because that film, like the thing I love about Nicolas Cage is his 
unhinged performance. And I just felt like you didn't get enough of that when you tell, when you make a movie where you say, oh, Nicolas Cage has got no dialogue. This was not Willy's Wonderland. This was unbearable weight of massive talent. I love the meta references in this movie. And honestly, like my least favorite part of the film was probably the third act because that's when it becomes more generic kind of action movie with guns blazing and more action focused. But the movie hints that the third act is going to go in that direction. So it, it didn't bother me too much. In fact, this film has some great references and commentary on Hollywood movies, how they have to have, if, if a Hollywood film does something different, it has to eventually go to guns blazing and all that dumb fucking popcorn shit because modern audiences just don't have the attention span for it. Like, if it's a superhero, it's either got to be a superhero movie or it's got to be some over-the-top action movie, but there's no in-between. And it's so funny just hearing Nicolas Cage comment on the film industry within this movie. Yeah. Yeah, there's actually a a scene where they're talking about how they're going to market this movie to the mainstream audience and that they have to hook people in with action scenes and a kidnapping. And yeah, it was just great. Another really cool thing, and you probably saw in the trailers, was that there's an alter ego, Nicolas Cage, a young Nicolas Cage, who's like, I think CGI or computer generated. I don't know. But the way they did it looks creepy, but amazing. It really played up the egotistical side of Nicolas Cage. And they brought up things like the fact that he's done lots of work. And while he does work a lot, he's done a lot of shit. And yeah, like I said, since the movie Mandy, he's been on this trajectory of a massive comeback where he's doing films that are more quality, working with quality directors and getting pretty good reviews. One thing I'm always astounded and super inspired and impressed by is film actors that just are working constantly. And Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cage is one of those actors that just works constantly. If you look at his filmography, like I don't know if that fucker ever stopped making movies and just kind of took a break for people to miss him to the point where they actually mention his agent in the movie actually says to him like, look, come on, Nick, we got to give the people a chance to miss you. And yeah, I just don't remember him ever dropping off. And I feel like this film, even though this film is so funny and meta and self-aware, the performances are still really grounded and really good. Like you still feel, you believe everything that's happening. And Nick was He had some amazing moments in this movie. I remember this really standout scene where he accidentally, uh, I think he injected himself with something, but he like paralyzed himself, but yet he still had to push through, climb out of a window and go to the next window. And it was the most anxiety inducing scene I've seen. I was just on the edge of my seat. It It was like such a simple thing. And I didn't know I was going to get a scene like that in this movie, but it was fucking intense. So, the plot for The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. This is a action-packed comedy starring Nicolas Nicolas Cage playing Nick Cage, channeling his iconic characters as he's caught between a superfan played by Pedro Pascal and a CIA CIA agent played by Tiffany Haddish. 
You have to forgive me for flubbing my lines as I'm sick. But yeah, the film's directed by Tom Gormican. And yeah, like we see that Nicolas Cage is got money troubles, which is something I'm always fascinated by when it comes to Hollywood film actors is like, I guess it's because I'm someone so cautious when it comes to like money and stuff like that. I always find it interesting. Like how do you fuck up your careers money wise when you make so much money from these movies? Like you would surely have a team of investors and shit making sure overlooking every little move you make. So, anyway, Nicolas Cage in this film, he's bankrupt, he's living in a hotel, he's divorced, his wife doesn't like him, his daughter's, you know, distant and doesn't really dig him. He doesn't really try to understand his daughter or that. He's coming to terms with his career not really being in the best place. He gets turned down for a movie role and his agent says to him, hey, you know, look, I got this offer for you to appear at this rich dude's house for a birthday party. And this rich guy's Javier, played by Pedro Pascal. He goes to the party and realizes that Pedro actually wants to pitch him for a movie that he wants to make with him. The two form a great friendship. And then Nicolas Cage is approached by the CIA. (laughs) I know, this movie's fucking wonkers. And they're pretty much saying to Nicolas Cage, you need to go undercover, find out what you know about this guy, because we're pretty sure that he's behind a terrorist, you know, kidnapping of these people and that he's kidnapped this woman and is holding her hostage. That is the plot. So, one of the funniest scenes in this whole movie, massive highlight, Nicolas Cage doing acid with Javier. Oh, this is great. Him and the other character are like dicking around, acting like they're in an action movie, being chased by like vigilantes and fucking assassins and shit when really nothing's happening to them. They're getting into their car and crashing into shit, speeding away when no one's following them. It's good shit. It leads to some of the funniest moments in the movie. There's a really long scene where they're trying to save each other and they're not actually in danger anymore at all. It's not really a spoiler because it was in the trailer where they're on Cage has like climbed up a fence and he's trying to get Javier to climb up with him and it's it's filmed really epically as if it's like a mad action sequence and you find out that like the guy can just go around the fucking fence rather than climbing over it. It's great. It reminded me a little bit of like a parody of Titanic or something of like those moments when it's meant to be super sad and someone's going to die. They just, yeah. Like the film is clear at times to be like the stakes are not as high as what they made out to be. And I just wish every actor would do a movie like this. (laughs) Like have that little kind of play on who they are and lead us in a little bit more to their real life through the film. And for me, this... This film is a perfect tribute to any super fan of Nicolas Cage. But having said that, me, like, I only know the the big stuff with Nick Cage. You know, there's a lot of films I haven't seen with Nick Cage, but I know the Con Air, Face Off, Gone in 60 Seconds, The Rock. Like, I know the big ones. Next, I watched National Treasure when I was a kid, Ghost Rider, although Ghost Rider is pretty trash. But having said that, I feel like non 
Nicolas Cage fans will still enjoy it. I think you have to really hate Nicolas Cage's, like, style to not like this movie or appreciate it. Like, my brothers can't stand Nicolas Cage, so there's no way I'd recommend they see this movie. Because they're not going to appreciate the references or anything like that. And the other great thing is you start, you hear all this great trivia about other films he's in. Like, I didn't know that Nicolas Cage drove the cars in Gone in 60 Seconds. There's like lots of little cute things to find out. The film reminds me a lot of, if you're a fan of Tropic Thunder, reminded me a lot of that film where they're, they're in a movie and but it also turns into something that they're going to make a movie of, if that makes sense. Like they're writing the movie as they go. It's hard to explain, but when you see it in action, it's, it's just done really well. It has such a nice flow to it. The heart and soul of this movie is really Nick Cage and Javier. They have such a strong friendship bond and it gets formed really quick, but you actually see how much they they share a love for film together and hanging out, having fun. And it doesn't come across as creepy. I feel like it would have been really easy for Pedro to come across as this creepy super fan, but he doesn't do that. It just feels like a genuine friendship. And there was a moment where I did worry that the film was going to be like, oh, okay, Javier is actually in love with Nick Cage, like romantically in love with him. And I was so happy they didn't go that route because it just would have felt lame. So, yeah, although uh, my partner did say she swears she heard Javier say honey to him. I miss that, but I don't know if that's true, then that I guess that's kind of weird. <laughs> But overall, the Bond just feels special without it being over the top. So, the way they did it was perfect. So, as a little recap, what I loved. I mean, the film has loads of Nicolas Cage Easter eggs, little movie trivia facts for Nick fans or non-Nick Cage fans. I mean, finding out he does all of his own driving, stunt driving and gone in 60 seconds. That's fucking amazing. Also has some really intense scenes that I did not expect to see in a movie like this. This was not just all full-blown comedy. It had its moments of grounded kind of realism or, you know, intense moments that you didn't expect to find. The self-awareness from Nick Cage of his flaws as an actor and his low points in his film career takes a lot of, uh, what's the word? I guess you've got to swallow your pride, really, and and admit those things. And it, and it takes a lot of courage for an actor, especially with their egos, to to put that on show like he did here. So, for that, I commend Nicolas Cage. And also, fucking his hairline is incredible. Like, the fact that his hairline has stood the test of time amazes me. And I'm pretty sure he got a hair transplant or something because his hair is way more fuller nowadays than it was fucking like when I watched The Rock his hairline looks like it's going in all different directions like it doesn't know what the fuck it wants to do anymore it's on the verge of like if I had that hairline I would have been like that's it game over shaving my head and as I'm losing my hair I'm feeling like I'm noticing these things more so I gotta give a fucking massive massive tick to Nick Cage's hairline in this movie. Phenomenal. Whoever did his hair transplant deserves a fucking medal. Pedro Pascal is so lovably 
endearing in this film. He almost steals the show from Nick Cage. And some reviewers have actually said that he does steal the show from Nick Cage. I think both of them do really well. Overall, I, th- I think the film reminded me of great films like Three Amigos, Tropic Thunder, even films like Funny People where, where a heavily egotistical actor is in a situation that they can't handle. I love those type of movies. They're fun. So, if you're a fan of those type of films, I think you'll definitely love Unbearable Weight. The other great thing was Nicolas Cage's weird alter ego. Appearing as a younger Nick Cage, these were some of the funniest and weirdest moments of the movie. Yeah, I'd say The Unbearable Weight is what if what if Family Man was an over-the-top meta comedy involving LSD and gun-toting agents. <laughs> the, that's what you get. What I didn't love, there's not a lot, but I'll, I'll say while the film is self-aware and it does make sense, I kind of lost interest with that last third of the film where it started to become the typical Hollywood action movie. Just the, the action scenes were quite derivative and I felt like there could have been more humor in, injected into those scenes to make it a bit more bearable because it's like in a film like this, when you're going to throw a bunch of action in the last third, you got to make it at least stand out and be different or let the action create more jokes, but it just seemed like it wasn't happening. Also, the red herring of the, the film is super, super obvious. For those, when you watch the film, I, I think it'll be quite clear, like, you'll know where the movie's going, what direction. I mean, the other thing is, I feel mainstream audiences will enjoy the film, but this is really for the Nick Cage fans. And if you don't like Nicolas Cage, you don't get what is so special about Nick Cage, then this movie, you can just totally pass it by. Go watch a bunch of really good Nick Cage movies. Go watch movies like Con Air, The Rock, Face Off, Pig. Mandy, what's that other film? There's another bloody film that I'm thinking of. There's heaps. Oh, Leaving Las Vegas. I always forget about that movie. Go watch those movies, then come back and watch this movie. So, I am giving The Unbearable Weight, I'm going to give it a four out of five stars. I reckon reckon this film is an amazing, fun time to be had. And while the third act dips a bit, it's consistently a really funny movie and a great sign that we should not lose faith in Nicolas Cage, that while he did have that dark period, he's come back strong since then, and this is just another great feather in his already prolific career. The friendship bond between him and Pedro Pascal is the absolute highlight of the movie. So, yeah, check it out. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, starring Nick Cage. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever else you are listening to this podcast. And I will also have a video review on my YouTube channel, at Michael Pishinary. You can also follow me at Michael Pish Podcasting on Instagram for all sorts of little video snippets and updates. Now that is all guys. Take care. And I hope you, uh, I hope my sick voice wasn't too much for you guys. All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to movies worth seeing. Make sure to like and share the show and leave a review. You can follow us on Instagram at Michael Pish Podcasting and watch movie reviews, audience reaction videos, and other fun content on our YouTube channel at Michael Pishinary.